You're going to love this. Just love it. We shall see. Somebody's got to. Oh, it's right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Not scared. We got a Time Magazine Person of the Year. That's cool, huh? Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle. Stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in. With a coat and tie, I shaved. You know, because not every day you get a Time Magazine Person of the Year. Yeah, you believe I have a coat and tie and I shaved, right? It's radio. Hey, welcome to your Bradcast. I am Brad Friedman, your friendly citizen, investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow from bradblog.com, says me. We are live in Los Angeles this afternoon on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara. 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, and of course, coast to coast and around the globe on kpfk.org. Stitcher, tune in on your smart device. Progressive Voices Channel on tune in and Netroots Radio. Yeah, just try to get away from us. Good luck. You can't. Glad you could join us this afternoon. We do have a big show, and it includes zombies, or lack thereof. Stay tuned. Uh, you can also tweet me throughout the program at the Brad Blog if you have a, a thought you would like to share with us along the way. Uh, yeah, zombies are ahead, I promise. Or, uh, or no zombies. You'll see. Republicans will find out. And uh, what else do we have? Oh, citizens speaking up and raising hell down in, uh, in Texas and up in Wisconsin. And, of course, Desi Doyen and the Green News Report. All of that. How do we fit it into an hour? I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, More importantly, perhaps, at least for the moment, uh, James Comey has been nominated to head the FBI, our next FBI director, it looks like. He was the deputy attorney general under uh, George W. Bush. So naturally, Barack Obama would like to hire him. And uh, he's actually, he's a really interesting fellow. He's not going to be joining us today, uh, but uh, someone who who may be able to give us quite a bit of insight into James Comey is going to be joining us, and she's going to be joining us presently. Colleen Raleigh was an FBI special agent and legal counsel for more than 20 years until retiring from the Bureau in 2004. Following 9-11, after blowing the whistle on failures at the FBI, which led up to those attacks, she testified to the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee about endemic problems facing both the agency and the intelligence community. In 2002, she was one of three whistleblowers named Time Magazine's Persons of the Year. She's been outspoken in support of federal whistleblower legislation and also in her support for WikiLeaks, its founder, Julian Assange, Bradley Manning, and now NSA whistleblower Edward Snowden, who her organization, the Sam Adams Associates for Integrity in Intelligence, announced on Monday will be honored with the group's, uh, with the group's annual Sam Adams Award for Truth-Telling. Raleigh was actually uh, the first recipient of that award, if, uh, if I have this right, back in 2002. 
Uh, the group, named after a CIA whistleblower during the Vietnam War, is comprised of mostly former senior national security officials who praised Snowden this week for his decision to reveal the extent of U.S. government electronic surveillance of people in the United States and around the world. She's also a longtime friend of the Brad blog. She's guest blogged uh, several times for us over the years, but uh, now she's even allowed to write op-ed, uh, op-eds at the New York Times every now and again. And she did so this week in regard to uh, President Obama's nomination of James Comey and his Senate uh, oversight hearings yesterday. Uh, let's see. Do we have her there? Colleen, welcome to the broadcast. Well, uh, thanks for having me, and thanks for that great introduction. You know, it's always great to talk to you, Colleen. Last time I think we spoke on air, it was, if I recall, the winter of 2010, and I believe that you had just been arrested protesting at the White House along with uh, other legendary whistleblowers like Dan Ellsberg and uh, intelligence officers like uh, uh, CIA vet Ray McGovern. But you know what? It it actually it wasn't Snowden, believe it or not, that that that, that I wanted to made me want to talk to you uh, today. It was the nomination and the remarkably unreported U.S. Senate confirmation hearings yesterday of James Comey as the next director of the FBI. Did you happen to notice, Colleen, before we get into the details, that this seems to have been picked up almost by no one? These uh, these hearings for the guy who's going to head the FBI for the next uh, uh, decade or so. Yeah, I, I noticed that. Unfortunately, I, I think it's uh, consistent with the, whatever you want to call it. Um, I remember Sibel Edmonds called it the boiling frog syndrome or this apathy. Uh, culturally, mm-hmm. we've just gotten worse and worse. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people have kind of given up, and, and they, they say, well, one more thing on top of another. What can I do about it? <clears throat> There's a lot of explanations, but I think our mainstream media, of course, thinks that, of course, this is a a slam dunk uh, confirmation. There's no controversy. Uh, they they perceive that story of the hospital standoff in 2004, yeah. where Comey, Comey stood up to Bush as him being some kind of whistleblower. Uh, in the hearings, they called it speaking truth to power on the part of Comey. Yeah. And it, so that myth is out there, and I think that um, I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> it's it's very difficult, but I've been trying to to make calls to senators today, mm-hmm. and, and actually put out an additional press release that there's two days left before the record closes in this confirmation. I think Leahy said it closes on Friday, and I was trying to um, you know urge some senators to ask more questions because they really did not do a, 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 a very lengthy. I mean, they, a lot of them just made small talk. One of our senators, uh, Klobuchar, just wasted her entire – she asked one question, and the rest of it was uh, hobnobbing about how they had gone to law school together and his family <laughs> sitting there, et cetera. And she's actually your senator up there in Minnesota. Uh, yeah. you, you, you had written uh, an op-ed this week uh, in the New York Times, questions for the FBI nominee, and I want to go through some of these and uh, find out which, if any of them, were answered. But let's do this, because you brought this up, uh, this, this remarkable moment back in 2004 that James Comey came and testified about in 2007, and in the bar I think became a hero for a bunch of Democrats. Uh, it was 
a, a remarkable moment. Washington Post called it the, uh, I think, the most stunning testimony in, in the history of Congress. And it was pretty remarkable. Let me just give everybody a quick idea, and then we'll play a, a bit of tape from him. We'll get the good stuff here out of the way, uh, Colleen, because I think you're right. A lot of the media have said, oh, he's a good guy. Everybody likes him. And then we'll go to the uh, to the questions that we have about him that sort of beyond this moment of heroism that he seems to have displayed in, uh, in 2000. 2007. So, and correct me if I miss any points on this story, but in general, in 2004, um, as one of these programs, one of these secret programs was about to expire at midnight, it was one of these secret, presumably surveillance programs that was about to expire, James Comey, as Deputy Attorney General, he had become Acting Attorney General because John Ashcroft at the time was uh, in the hospital with a severe case of uh, pancreatitis and, uh, you know, couldn't even talk, was under all kinds of drugs and everything else, and... Uh, the the uh, Andrew Card, the chief of staff for George W. Bush and Alberto Gonzalez, his attorney at the time, wanted, really wanted a signature to continue this secret program, whatever it was, presumably a secret surveillance program. The AG had to sign off on it uh, and Comey had refused to do so. So in the middle of the night, Andrew Card and uh, 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 Gonzalez we're going to speed over to the hospital in the middle of the night. Uh, George W. Bush himself reportedly actually called Mrs. Ashcroft and told her these guys are on the way over. She ends up calling James Comey, says, hey, they're coming over here. They're going to strong arm him. He's in a limousine. He says, turn it around. Let's get to the hospital. There's this late night chase. He calls all his men uh, at the FBI to come in and join him. They beat uh, uh, Cardin Gonzalez there. And as Cardin Gonzalez uh, walk in, they make their case to John Ashcroft, and John Ashcroft says no. He, he sits up from his bed, as James Comey explains. It sits up from his bed, and uh, it says, "No, I'm not the acting attorney. I'm not the attorney general. He is." Let me play one short clip uh, from the testimony in 2007 when James Comey was talking about that. Clip number one, G. This was a uh, very memorable. Uh, period in my life, probably the most difficult time in my entire professional life, and that night was probably the most difficult night of my professional life, so it's not something I forget. Okay. Were you present when Alberto Gonzalez visited Attorney General Ashcroft's bedside? Yes. And am I con correct that the conduct of Mr. Gonzalez and Mr. Card on that evening troubled you greatly? Yes. You rushed to the hospital that evening. Why? I'm only hesitating because I need to explain why. Please. I give I've, you all the time you okay. need, sir. I've, I've uh, actually thought quite a bit over the last three years about how I would answer that question if it was ever asked, because I assumed that at some point I would have to testify about it. And testify he did. And it was, in fact, quite riveting and quite heroic the way he stood up, frankly, to George W. Bush and threatened to resign if this program was renewed. And uh, Colleen Rowley, as you point out, a lot of the Democrats, uh, you know, applaud him for that moment, as do I. That said, uh, what is it that we now know about that moment? Do we know any more after yesterday's hearings with him? And then we can move beyond that moment uh, to the times that he did not stand up to the George W. Bush administration. 
Well, if you research uh, the story, and I will say there's one source, there's a couple of sources to look at. I have not read uh, Jack Goldsmith's book, but I think there's a, a good deal in that book about this episode. And mm-hmm. then the um, Inspector General Glenn Fine investigated uh, the, these issues, and they're, that's online. You can Google that and find that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they're not completely forthright, and they... Uh, Though you still have this murky area, and this is why I came up with a, a bit of a working theory today and put out a, a press release about it, because it seems to explain everything I see out there in the research, and there are big missing portions when James Comey testifies. And, and when the story gets into the media, mm-hmm. uh, the, the reader and, and even, I think, the media were had a misperception, a couple of big misperceptions about his standing up against Bush and uh, Cheney. Your, your, um, your factual description, I think, was, was correct. However, here's what's missing. Right. Okay, that, that heroic standoff in the hospital is, uh, is later, just a few hours later, the very next morning, uh, Comey is in the White House for a meeting and gets called in to talk to Bush directly. Mm-hmm. Okay, you don't know him. No, he, he was testifying three years later. <clears throat> right. And he, he didn't go into that second meeting, which actually just occurs a few hours afterwards. Now, Comey has been completely reluctant. When he got asked in 2009 here by Walter Mondale, former Vice President uh, Walter Mondale, again, all, I went to the speech here in 2009 where Walter Mondale's public uh Public Interest Institute brought him in because everyone was thinking he, he, he's this brave hero who stood up to the Bush administration. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> when Mondale said, can you tell us about your meeting with Bush? He clammed up, completely clammed up and refused. He, he gave the excuse that we can never talk about a meeting with the, the president because that will chill all future talks, etc. So that was a little weird, you know, a little bit suspicious. Um, what we know is that Bush without the legal signature certification of Ashcroft that, that apparently was to sign off that this was legal, and actually the Department of Justice had determined that the monitoring uh, was illegal. I, I think the, the premise was that it violated the, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, this monitoring that had occurred right after 9-11. And that's why, and then, and that's why the Attorney General, that's why John Ashcroft and Comey would not uh, approve this program at that time because they believed it was illegal. Right. It had been, it, right. They had determined, and I don't know how much Ashcroft had been filled in before this, but I think he even had been filled in, too, right. that it was illegal monitoring. And it, this, 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 uh, uh, certification. Apparently, it was a periodic certification right. that uh, Ashcroft had signed off on. There's a there's a couple of things that you have to understand. Also, is that in that first period after 9/11, one lawyer, one main lawyer, John Yu, had been put in charge of writing all, almost all of these new novel memos mm-hmm. that created this new law, this brave new dark side law, uh, law of war that he uh, was creating. Uh, he had one co-author, by the way, a Robert Delahunty, who's now a law professor here at St. Thomas Law mm-hmm. School in Minnesota. Uh, Delahunty, I don't think, did the heavy lifting. I think he just signed on. But in any event, they've continued to co-author a bunch of things. They are strong believers in a theory called, un- what I call unbridled, that's my adjective, but it is unbridled, inherent executive power to override Congress and the courts. 
That is what they, that's what they live and breathe, Delahunty and, and you. And they basically make that argument, as I understand it, based on the, the, the Constitution's commander-in-chief power. He, con- yeah, commander-in-chief yeah. power. He's the commander-in-chief. Right. He can do whatever he wants uh, when it comes to the armed forces, when it comes that's to keeping right. us safe. Under just the Constitution alone, never mind the laws, it's sort of a Richard Nixon's right. when the president does it, it's not illegal sort of a thing. Yeah, I also had this wonderful opportunity uh, a few years ago to listen to John Yu when mm-hmm. Della Hunty brought him in here for a speech, and he and then this is exactly it's it's breathtaking this this theory that he has, and uh, of course in the meantime a lot of what he his theory has been repudiated. But in 2004, um, he would have been the author or the 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 prime legal person behind whatever. A system they had come up with with this legal certification where right. Ashcroft was signing off on. And so what happened, and also the other thing that happened with John Yu that Comey refers to obliquely several times is, and it might have been at the White House's insistence, or maybe Ashcroft did this, who knows, but they had compartmentalized John Yu. And so John Yu was not getting um, peer review of the other lawyers, nor of the agency counsel. He was kind of allowed to write these things on his own. Right, and and, and, and Comey, uh, I think, eventually said, and I think he said even in his hearings yesterday, that he was actually moved by the, he was uh, encouraged or impressed by those legal arguments. But he wasn't that night. He turned them down. Uh, they were making the argument that they had the constitutional power to do it. and yeah. And then... Uh, they all threatened to quit, to resign. Back up a second. Yeah. He was not impressed with Yu's arguments, no. What happened is Jack Goldsmith, who was friends with Comey, uh, took over as head, and, okay. and apparently he got read in and was allowed to read some of John Yu's stuff. He balked at it, and okay. he got Comey and others, uh, eventually Mueller too, uh, to say this is wrong. And I think it was based on the legal footing. Okay, but he, so, he, but here's what I'm trying to get to, uh, Colleen Rowley, uh, because at his hearing yesterday, at his uh, Senate confirmation hearing, James Comey essentially came in in support of many of these programs. And actually, let me just read the right. the ACLU uh, had this statement uh, when when uh, Comey was first. Um, nominated for the FBI head, they said Comey approved some of the worst abuses committed by the Bush administration. Specifically, the publicly available evidence indicates Comey signed off on enhanced interrogation techniques that constitute torture, including waterboarding. He also oversaw indefinite detention without charge or trial of an American citizen picked up in the U.S. and then held for years in a military brig. Although Comey, they say, despite tremendous pressure from the Bush White House, deserves credit for courageously stopping the reauthorization of a secret NSA program, he reportedly approved programs that struck at the very core of who we all are as Americans. And yesterday, Colleen, at his uh, uh, confirmation hearing, he seemed to admit that. He seemed to admit that, yes, waterboarding is torture, but I approved it anyway because I was impressed with the legal justification that was uh, that was shown to him. Did That's I understand exactly right. that correctly? Well, we're talking about two different issues, and that exactly okay. was his justification. Bradbury, who was, again, under Goldsmith, and, and again, there was, there was an, an inside battle here between attorneys in the Office of Legal Counsel, and they chose different legal rationales. Uh, Bradbury, um, according to Comey, he respected uh, his legal reasoning that 
that approved of all of the CIA torture tactics. And at the time, uh, he said they were serious and responsible. That were the, those were the words of Comey yesterday in responding. Well, I thought Bradbury's uh, legal advice to me that said torture was legal, that uh, waterboarding and, and uh, sleep deprivation, that these were responsible and serious uh, memos. Now, he was contrasting with the prior memos of John Yu. Um, and but this is different. When you said the ACLU's thing, you you uh, they did not really uh, talk much about this warrantless monitoring program. Uh, I think everything else is correct. But when it says he stopped the warrantless monitoring program, that I don't think is correct. Bush continued. Anyways, this meeting occurs. Bush did not concede anything. Bush continued the illegal monitoring without uh, Ashcroft's signature. And what happened, and again, you've got to fill in the dots a little bit because Comey refuses to talk about this, mm-hmm. is that it looks like Goldsmith went back and said, well, I can't do it based on inherent executive power of John Hughes' theory, but I can uh, uh, point to the authorization to, uh, for military force right. in Afghanistan. And I think that is when this uh, AUMF now is, is the um, legal footing for warrantless monitoring. So your uh, your impression then is that uh, the program didn't change. It was only the legal reasoning, the legal authority right. for the program. You can't base it on the Constitution, the commander-in-chief yep. power in the Constitution, but the authorization to use military force, that That's essentially right. allows the president to do That's anything. Right. And that kind of makes sense if you look uh, at his, uh, at, at, at his uh, hearing yesterday and his responses, because he was very supportive of the U.S. surveillance state. He said that the uh, secret, the super secret FISA court was, quote, anything but a rubber stamp, despite the fact that they, uh, you know, almost never say no to any request. And despite the fact that they are a non-adversarial court, nobody comes in and presents the opposing side. Uh, You know, so to call it anything but a rubber stamp, this guy supports these surveillance techniques. There was no indication, at least that 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 I received and maybe you did, did you get any sense at all that he would like to revisit these surveillance programs that we are using, or is he fully in support? And he will continue to be fully in support uh, if he's not, if he's uh, 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 elected as uh, head of the FBI. Well, to their credit, the senators pressed him to read their six thousand page uh, report that the mm-hmm. Senate Judiciary has about the lack of effectiveness of of waterboarding and torture. Um, and uh, Diane Feinstein uh, was really good in pressing him as well as a couple others uh, because it seems like Comey still thinks it's effective. He even said a couple of times, well, they, you know, the, you know, the effectiveness should not matter. Well, that's, a, that's our, what they call a red herring. It's not effective. It's not effective. You don't have to say that the effectiveness does not matter in the legal uh, or how we, how we should see ourselves as Americans. Well, um, but but they pressed him on that, and they also pressed him on some of the legislative revisions to the NSA's current warrantless monitoring. And he he said he would consider those, and he would have an open mind. Well, Colleen, I, mean, I he, hope he does. But I, well, I hope he does too. But he was asked by uh, the the committee chair Patrick Leahy, who asked him directly, "Do you agree that waterboarding is torture and is illegal?" He replied. 
Yes. Now, my question for you, Colleen, you were a, an FBI a special agent uh, with the Bureau for 24 years, if I have my numbers correct. Uh, you were lauded as 2002 Time Magazine Person of the Year for your work, for your whistleblowing at the FBI. Uh, if you came across a crime, something that you acknowledged to be illegal uh, as an FBI official, would you be able to say, well, that happened some time ago, so uh, we're going to look forward, not back. I mean, if Comey believes that torture is illegal and if he is uh, adopted as the head of the FBI, isn't it his job to prosecute those people who carried out illegal torture? That's right. And uh, let me go a step further with torture being illegal. It's not, this is actually sacrosanct uh, legal prohibition. They call it in Latin, use cogens. That it's, it's in a tier, it's in a category all by itself. Comey was extremely disingenuous by having this flimsy excuse that the 1994 U.S. statute is vague and that these memos were uh, strongly written and responsible, and therefore he couldn't have determined that torture was illegal back when he, when he approved it. I, I'm telling you, if you joined the FBI um, in, and you went through the, the 15 weeks of training, you heard over and over and over how to interview people without even the smidgen of coercion, let alone physical abuse. Um, I will say I would have to commend Al Franken from Minnesota because he was the one senator. Uh, White House did pretty well, too. But uh, Al Franken read the actual description of sleep deprivation. People don't think of that as being this torture because we all think of when we get we miss an hour of sleep or something. The sleep deprivation that was that Comey signed off on is your arms are shackled, you're standing up, your your feet are shackled to the floor, um, you have a diaper on, you only have a couple of feet of movement, and you are could be forced to stand there for 180 hours, which is seven and a half days. And when he read that. Um, I mean, it seems to me, I mean, and then he said, is that torture <laughs> to, uh, to Comey? Um, and I, w- I think that that's the kind of thing that, you know, that's a no-brainer. You don't have to be a law graduate to understand that use cogent torture prohibition. Sadly enough, in all probability, the next FBI director will be someone who has signed on, off on the worst illegal act that you can possibly come up with, in- which is this. Torture. In fact, Comey uh, said in response to that, uh, that the, w- with these uh, folks being kept a lot, uh, from sleeping for six and a half days, quote, it's one of those things that led me to ask who we are as Americans. But he acknowledged that he approved a legal, mem- legal memo finding that the duration of sleep deprivation is perfectly legal. Yeah. So yeah. and now we're kind of rewarding this guy. Yeah, he completely hedged on that with this, this statement about who we are as Americans. He was trying to distract, and he was trying to find some middle ground uh, by bringing that up. Well, that has nothing to do with anything. It's, you know, it, it, this, again, this is so, um, so much not a, a thinking thing. Torture is completely illegal. Uh, waterboarding had been prosecuted before, 
And he also mentioned once that it was only the combination of the tactics that concerned him. It wasn't the individual. This is let me let me play one very short clip here from his 2007 testimony, because this is sort of the crux of the matter. We're talking about uh, the top law enforcement official uh, in the country, or at least uh, under the attorney general, uh, the top uh, official at the FBI. Here's what he said in 2007 when it comes to the question about legalities uh, of the program that he was at the time trying to stop. You have that clip number two? Just you thought something was wrong with how it was being operated or administered or overseen. We we had, yes, we had concerns as to our ability to certify its legality and which was our obligation for the program to be renewed. So their obligation is to confirm, uh, authorize the the legality of a program. And here he is saying, well, all of these things, I believe they were illegal. I believe they were torture. But, uh, oh, well, go ahead and confirm me anyway as FBI. I think it's quite troubling. And, Colleen, before we move, I want to got just a few minutes left here, but I want and I want to turn the page to Edward Snowden momentarily. But uh, you wrote uh, 15 questions in The New York Times uh, two days ago for the uh, for the FBI nominee. did they ask the questions that you wanted to hear and which, if you had to pick one or two that they didn't ask, uh, would you still like to know about at this time? Well, they they did focus on the, the torture issue, and uh, I think that one was asked and answered, uh, at least uh, flimsy answer, but it was asked and answered. Most of the others that I have on here, the, the senators did not really probe well enough. Um, one other key area that you mentioned at the start is this notion or belief in indefinite detention by labeling somebody an enemy combatant that you can hold them without uh, any kind of due process, any no right to attorney, um, nothing. And and uh, and uh, Comey was the uh, spokesperson for the Padilla case, and he went out and had a press conference and he defended the holding of Padilla for two years without an attorney. Um, I think the question that needs to be put to him, uh, uh, Senator Franken tried to ask him about it, and uh, Comey's response was, well, it should be a rare case when we do this. Um, I called uh, Franken's office today because I don't think, I didn't know if they knew that Comey is on record also saying that when we have a case where the evidence is lacking of a terrorist or a foreign country uh, has secret information that they don't want to be made public, he thinks there should be a way to so uh, to quote-unquote incapacitate that suspect without recourse to a criminal trial. And that was in this Walter Mondale thing that I went yeah. to in 2009. Uh, uh, and extremely troubling for an FBI director to talk about avoiding criminal process when, when you don't have sufficient evidence, for heaven's sakes. Colleen, after uh, more than two decades uh, at the uh, at the bureau, after watching the testimony yesterday, would you feel comfortable if you were still there, if you were still serving uh, with the FBI? Would you feel comfortable comfortable with James Comey uh, leading your FBI? Well, let's just hope that we have some whistleblowers, but they've chilled. <laughs> or this is going to lead right into Edward Snowden. <laughs> well um, done. He, and actually, and actually, Comey was asked about whistleblowing, but that that was a complete. Uh, what I'm, I'm trying to say is they never addressed the issues because there's no whistleblower protection uh, in the FBI or any of these other intelligence agencies. And so, yes, you have no choice uh, if you do witness these. Uh, let's say you witness torture again, because this is only mm-hmm. in a temporary executive order. 
If you were joining the FBI right now, there's a, a strong chance a new president will come along and say, it's not illegal, is it? James Comey, is it legal? You, you signed off before, will you sign off again? I mean, this is, I, I hate to say it, but depending upon what happens, this could easily transpire. Now, if you're one of the lowly people in the agencies that are witnessing this type of thing or expected to follow orders, uh, what are you supposed to do? And I, I'm hoping that we do have more Edward Snowdens and Bradley Mannings and Thomas Drakes out there. But, you know, it's, it's the rare courage. It's very difficult because you are in a really corrupted, bad system. And uh, it's interesting because James Comey and President Obama alike talk about, oh, we need a federal uh, whistleblower statute. However, we need carve-outs uh, for national security uh, whistleblowers to not let them be whistleblowers. And, and isn't that the main point? Yeah. Isn't that the most important type of whistleblower that we actually need here? Yeah, that's the, what did they say, the, um, that swallows the exception, it's the, there's a, a phrase. Yeah, it's, the it's, it's, that it, swallows the rule. Yeah, exactly. It's the carve-out that kills yeah. the law yeah. in this case. Yeah. Uh, Colleen yeah. Rowley, uh, just another minute or two here, but uh, why did your organization, uh, the, the Sam Adams Associates for Integrity and Intelligence, choose to give this year's Truth Teller Award to Edward Snowden, and what troubles you the most about both his disclosures uh, and the aftermath uh, of those disclosures uh, since he came out a few weeks ago? Um, well, you have to know the story of Sam Adams, a lowly CIA analyst who in the late 60s discovered that the high-level General Westmoreland was lying to the American public about the Vietnam War. He was essentially going out to the press uh, trying to project victory and, and saying that the enemy troop strength was half of what it actually was. Uh, the Sam Adams had done research and found it was twice as much. So um, the, the, the aftermath, the Sam Adams did stay within the, the uh, he argued for a long time, and eventually when, when it was too late, he did go to 60 Minutes. But um, the, 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 the thought is that the Vietnam Wall is twice as big, twice as many U.S. deaths, and heaven knows how many Vietnamese deaths, because we did not have a whistleblower, uh, at that time when, when it was known that Westmoreland was lying. So that's why, you know, this, you can't get a, a situation, and you can see this, this, this uh, terrible drama playing out over and over and over in whistleblowing. I could go on all night about the cases I know where people are witnessing life and death matters. Um, you know, our government now shrugs it all off as, as you've got to stay in the chain of command and whatever, but in the meantime... Even if, even if you would eventually find someone who would take your issue, uh, the torture issue uh, is like that because eventually this uh, guy, this guy in the Army, took it all the way up to McCain. It took him 17 months in the chain of command to get up to McCain, and then McCain did uh, pass a law that went back to the Army field manual that uh, made torture illegal. But in the 17 months, guess how many people were tortured in that meantime? And so it, it's a terrible dilemma. Uh, Snowden, of course, uh, people say he shouldn't have gone public. Well, of course, he had no uh, option. There's no way that when the orders are from the highest levels, this warrantless monitoring has been going on uh, essentially since uh, right after 9-11, maybe even before 9-11, in, in different ways, different legal footings. It's gone through at least three different legal footings because, to be honest, it's completely illegal and wrong. And now uh, Snowden is trying to tell people about this, especially people in foreign countries and all the people that never would have understood 
that they are being perceived as terrorist suspects. That's the whole the whole point here is that it's not focused on somebody that uh, you know Bush would say, well, if we only monitor the phones of the terrorists, the American people won't care. That was a huge lie. So everybody says, yeah, I don't care if they're monitoring the phones of the of the terrorists. Uh, Bush called it the terrorist surveillance program. It wasn't called that before the New York Times uh, revealed what was going on. So this, this the, what most troubles me right now, though, about what's gone on is that the polls, because the media has done such a great job now in vilifying Snowden, he's, you know, working with China as a spy, all these right. crazy stories. They're even doing this about Glenn Greenwald yep. uh, and other journalists, uh, Laura Poitras. They're doing it about journalists now. They're treating journalists as uh, potential spies under the Espionage Act, uh, co-conspirators. That's extremely troubling, and this is why. Freedom of the press, freedom of thought, freedom of speech. This warrantless monitoring, people think it's just privacy. Well, it is privacy, but it is a lot more than privacy. Our entire First Amendment is on the line with this warrantless monitoring, and primarily it's through the press reporting to people, uh, as Thomas Jefferson's theory was, that we would learn about things so that we could intelligently uh, uh, govern ourselves. The Sam Adams Award notice for uh, Edward Snowden quoted Thomas Paine in the cold winter of of 1776. Quote, these are the times that try men's souls, he said. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will, in this crisis, shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Uh, Colleen Rowley, 20-year FBI special agent, 2002 Time Magazine Person of the Year. You have my love and thanks for all of your work, all of your service to the country, uh, both in the FBI and afterwards. Thank you so much for all you do, and I suspect we will be talking more in the near future. And I hope the listeners out there will be sunshine, uh, not sunshine patriots, and pick up their phone and call their senators uh, tomorrow. There's still two days where this record is open. And please uh, put your feedback in. About James Comey and whether he should be confirmed. <laughs> this guy who approved torture uh, as uh, the next head of our FBI. Thank you so much, Colleen. I hope to talk with you real soon. Thank you. This is your FBI. This is your FBI, an official broadcast from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, presented as a public service by the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. To your FBI, you look for national security, and to the Equitable Society for financial security. These two great institutions are dedicated to the protection of you, your home, and your country. All right, when we come back, much more broadcast straight ahead, including zombies. And Desi Doy with the Green News and much more. You're not going to want to miss it. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the broadcast. I'm Andrew Tonkovich of Bibliocracy, Wednesday nights at 8. Peter Rayner is a longtime film critic, award-winning, and indispensable. He has for 30 years produced some of the best, smartest, politically contextualized reviews you can read from the Herald Examiner, 
to the Christian Science Monitor, to NPR, and indeed, you can read many of them in his new collection, Rainer on Film, 30 Years of Film Writing in a Turbulent and Transformative Era. Peter Rayner divides some of his best essays into the winning categories of overrated, underseen, young Turks, hot-button issues, as well as profiles of directors and actors. Peter Rayner's excellent taste is matched in his excellent writing about film, society, and politics all at once, and he'll be my guest talking about and reading about the movies on Bibliocracy Wednesday night at 8. Talking to you, zombies. Show your faces. Welcome back to the Bradcast. I am Brad Friedman, your friendly blogger and troublemaker and muckraker and all-around swell fellow from bradblog.com. Yes, zombies. At the beginning of 2012, the executive director of the South Carolina State Election Commission absolutely demolished the claim that was put forward by the state's Republican attorney general at the time. This was in January of 2012. The Republican AG in South Carolina was arguing that some 953 votes in the state had been cast in recent elections by dead people. That's right, zombies voting in the state of South Carolina. They hadn't, of course, and the claim was little more than a transparent ruse to try and stuff the ballot boxes in support of polling place photo ID restrictions by Republicans meant to disenfranchise largely minority, poor, elderly and student voters. Yes, read Democratic leaning voters at the time in January of 2012, the AG would only let the uh, the executive director of the State Election Commission, uh, Marcy Andino, Uh, See, six of these 953 names that the AG was claiming uh, were dead people voting. She looked into the six so-called zombie voters. What did she find? A review of the voter registration lists and signatures on the poll lists from the election in question, the elections in question, revealed that of these six voters, one was an absentee ballot cast by a voter who then died before Election Day. Perfectly legal. Another was the result of an error by a poll worker who mistakenly marked the voter as Samuel Ferguson Jr. when the voter was, in fact, Samuel Ferguson III. Two were the result of stray marks on the voter registration list detected by the scanner. Again, it was a clerical error. And finally, the uh, the final two were the result of poll managers at the polling place incorrectly marking the name of the voter in question instead of the voter listed either above or below that voter on the list. That was the first six. Well, none of that was good. She then looked into 200 more, could not find any zombie voters. That was still not good enough for the Republican AG. So he asked the South, uh, I'm sorry, South Carolina uh, State Law Enforcement Division sled uh, to investigate the matter to spend uh, I don't know how we don't know how much they actually spent but it was an 18 month probe and out of the 953 zombie voters 
that were voting in South Carolina that made us absolutely require photo ID restrictions at the polling place out of the 953 voters. Uh, guess how many uh, were actually uh, zombie dead voters? Guess how many were a- there actually were? There were zero. Just as the State Election Commission Executive Director had uh, argued a year ago, a year and a half ago, no, there are not dead people voting in South Carolina. There are no zombie voters, but shh, don't tell Fox News. Because this news, this uh, commission report, the State Law Enforcement Division, closed their report in uh, late June. It just came out during the July 4th weekend. So don't tell the Republicans and don't tell Fox News that, in fact, State Law Enforcement Division uh, closed it, recommended no further action after finding absolutely no dead people having voted in South Carolina. Don't tell any Republicans that. Don't tell anybody in South Carolina that either, because they want to put in place their polling place photo ID restriction, and they will, most likely, now that uh, the Supreme Court has demolished the Voting Rights Act. Zombie voters. All right. We're get, get, you're on deck, Desi Doyen, so don't be smiling in there. You're, you're coming up soon with the Green News Report. I want to play this audio uh, from yesterday in Texas, where you likely know there is a huge battle to stop this Republican anti-abortion, this radical anti-abortion bill that the Republicans down there are going to pass come hell or high water, no matter how many special, sec- uh, 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 special sessions of the state legislature that uh, Governor Rick Perry has to call. They're going to get this thing passed. But in the meantime, the process at the Texas uh, State House allows for citizens to come forward and give their thoughts about these bills uh, when they're in committee. Well, a woman did that yesterday. We've had hundreds of them uh, actually have done it. Thousands have lined up. They've only allowed uh, several hundred to do it. But here was one of them yesterday, a woman by the name of Sarah Slayman, I think is what she says her name is. Uh, she waited in line, did it the right way, gave her opinions uh, about this bill. But apparently her opinions about this bill were not to the liking of the committee chair. And so She was arrested and hauled away in the middle of her comments. Well, if her comments were so troublesome that uh, she needed to be arrested and hauled away for making them, I think the least that I can do is play them right here on the broadcast in full. Here we go. Sarah Slayman, I believe is her name, yesterday uh, testifying on uh, the Senate Bill 1 in the Texas uh, committee hearing that was discussing this radical anti-abortion bill. Sarah Slyman. Thank you, Chair and Committee. My name is Sarah Slyman. I'm constituent of Senator Whitmire. I'm here to testify against SB1 because I'm tired of Republican primary politics, misogyny, and greed dominating the state I was born, raised, and schooled in. And you know, I had some really eloquent remarks written out, but you guys have just worn me down all day with all this terrible science and uh, glad handing. And to be frank, I get to move to New York next month, so I don't have to live in fear of you Texas legislators anymore and what you're going to do to my education system or my health care system because I'm going to a state that doesn't kill its own inmates. That's how pro-life it is up there. I will thank you, though, first. 
It was destiny that you would discriminate against us and try to force your way inside the bodies of Texas women. Thank you for finally working against us women so publicly and not in the shadows like you're used to. Thank you for every single bad press conference with your bad information. <laughs> Thank you for every hateful statement degrading women and girls to sex objects and brood mares Sing it. and bald eagles and leather wallets like your eloquent pro-life supporters have done today. Thank you for being you, Texas legislature. You have radicalized hundreds of thousands of us. And no matter what you do for the next 22 days, women and their allies are coming for you. Let's start down the line. Senator Campbell, you're an ophthalmologist, so I won't be making you the expert on reproductive health. We can give you all the children with chlamydia and herpes in their eyes since we don't have sex ed in this state. And Senator Hagar, you're about as helpful. You are about as, excuse me, this is my government, ma'am. I will judge you. I will judge you, ma'am. Is this counting against my time? Yes, it is. The senator talking against me? Yes, it is. Okay. Well, I will just go ahead and talk over her. And this is how big of a fraud I knew you were for being so proud of these proceedings all night. It's a low bar that you hold yourself to that you simply allowed us to speak. And I will speak against an ophthalmologist who says, Everyone on the internet can see what you're doing right now. This is a farce. The Texas legislator is a bunch of liars who hate women. <laughs> Our next witness is Gary Oldham. Is Gary Oldham here? Go ahead. Go ahead, Mr. Thank you. My name is Gary Oldham. I live in... And she was hauled away by about five or six Texas Rangers. You can see that uh, full video at bradblog.com. Along with it, by the way, uh, some uh, remarkable audio that we're not going to have time to play here, but you need to hear it. Some students at the University of Wisconsin uh, went and met some of the NSA recruiters that had showed up on campus. Let's call this the Snowden effect. They had some questions for these NSA recruiters. And uh, do we have, you know what? I think we do have uh, time to play it. Let me, let me play uh, clip number four, G, uh, very quickly, uh, just the beginning of it. You can get the rest at bradblog.com, uh, which, uh, yeah, go ahead and play this. Clip number four. Yeah, I just had a question. You said that earlier that the two tasks that you do, one is sort of figuring out the... Um, tracking down the the sort of communications of your adversaries mm -hmm. and the other is protecting the communications of officials. Right. So do you consider Germany and the company countries that the NSA has been spying on to be adversaries or are you right now not speaking the truth and lying when you say that actually you simply track the, you know, you, you keep focusing on that but clearly the NSA is doing a lot more than that as we know. So I'm just asking our for a clarification. What our foreign intelligence requirements are. So, uh, I mean, you know, you can define adversary as enemy, and clearly Germany yes. is not our enemy. Right. But would we have um, foreign national interest from an intelligence perspective on what's going on across the globe? Yeah, we do. I mean, that's our requirements that come to us as an intelligence community organization from the policymakers, from the military, from whoever, are, are global. So, so advers by adversaries, you actually mean anybody and everybody. There's nobody then by your definition that is not an adversary. Is that correct? That is not correct. Who is not an adversary? Well, okay. 
Uh, well, okay. And she has no answers. Yes, everyone is apparently now an adversary of the U.S. Uh, tweeting me at the Brad blog, Jeff Waldorf said, wow, those students handed those NSA recruiters their asses. This gives me hope. Gives me hope, too. Check out that full uh, that full clip at bradblog.com. Let's do some green news. It's not easy being green. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> it seems you blend in with so many other ordinary What's things. not easy is having enough time for all the green news that we have to get to. So, hi, Desi Doyen. Hi. Too much time. Too much show, not enough time. As always, uh, we better get straight to uh, the Green News Report, our latest Green News Report today. That is, of course, Desi Doyen, my co-host and the producer of the broadcast. Anything we need to know before we kick it? No, let's listen. Kick it. This is a, a an unbelievable disaster that has occurred here. 13 dead, 40 still missing in Canadian oil train explosion. We're hanging on by a thread right now. Record floods paralyze Toronto. The State Department doesn't know the Keystone XL pipeline's route. Plus, innovation, the Dutch solution for air pollution. All of those solutions and disasters straight ahead. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Scientists can now definitively say that climate change is the reason ducks aren't migrating south. Still no word, though, on why D.C. has become a breeding ground for so many old coots and loons. Oh, snap, Juliana Forlano. This is your... Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, I've been saying for a long time that I had no idea how a new EPA administrator was ever going to be approved by this Senate. And we'll see. Gina McCarthy's nomination has been uh, hanging for months now. But we have news as we go to air today that Republican Senator David Vitter from Louisiana will not filibuster her nomination. Now we just have to see if the rest of his Republican caucus will follow along. Yeah, it'll be interesting. He says that he got some concessions on transparency from the EPA, but I'm wondering what other concessions he might have had that are not publicized. My prediction still holds that it's going to be next to impossible, if not impossible, to ever get a new EPA administrator under this administration. But we'll see. We will see. What do you have for us today? I know a lot of disasters in Canada over yeah, the last few days. It's been a tough couple of weeks for Canada. First, there were devastating floods in Calgary. Then an oil train explodes near Montreal and flash floods hit Toronto. It looks like a war zone here. A, a large part of the downtown has been destroyed. The death toll in the oil train disaster in Lac Megantic in Canada now stands at 13 confirmed dead, 40 still missing, three days after an unattended train carrying crude oil derailed, exploded, and demolished the core of the downtown area, incinerating at least 30 buildings. Officials say the cause is now under investigation, but it is an unmitigated disaster, as conservative Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper said in a press conference. This is a very big disaster in human in terms. There's a beautiful downtown here that's been destroyed, and there really is uh, going to be need for substantial reconstruction. 
And on top of all that, the accident also spilled an estimated 26,000 gallons of light crude oil into the Quebec River, impacting water supplies downstream. Now, Desmog Blog reports that supporters of the proposed Keystone XL pipeline are attempting to use the oil train disaster to promote the controversial pipeline, saying the accident shows rail transport <laughs> is much more dangerous than pipelines. Oh, man. But that's not exactly true. Now, stats on oil trains are hard to come by because it's new and barely regulated in both the U.S. and Canada, but the New York Times reports train cars actually spill less than pipelines because the volume of the spill is limited to the number of cars, whereas pipelines can spill for hours or days before a rupture is discovered. And get this, the U.S. State Department admits it doesn't know the exact route of the proposed Keystone XL pipeline. What? Yes, the Environment News Service discovered through a Freedom of Information Act request that the State Department does not have the pipeline's digital mapping data like coordinates for the exact route or where it crosses bodies of water in the U.S. But they put out a preliminary report approving the route uh, for this pipeline. That's not based on actual coordinates. They did not ask for the coordinates, nor did the company provide them. They just approved it? Yep. Okay. Also in Canada, poisoned weather hits Toronto just weeks after relentless rains hit Calgary, forcing the evacuation of thousands of residents. Toronto on Monday was hit with a record deluge, a month's worth of rain in just two hours. Well, the water was about up to my stomach in the car and the power just shut off. Worse yet, the water supply, the sewer system, and the electric power were cut off to thousands of people, prompting Toronto Mayor Rob Ford to ask residents to reduce their electricity use. Folks, I must stress, this is crucial, that we all reduce our electricity for today to help relieve the strain on our hydro system. We're hanging on by a thread right now. Climate scientists have warned that global warming caused by burning fossil fuels would bring an increase in expensive extreme weather events like these intense storms and rainfall. President Obama said bracing for climate impacts is what we need to do to strengthen our own infrastructure. But here's some good news. Finally, about time. The Dutch have a solution for air pollution. Dutch scientists on Monday unveiled their newest innovation, pavement that eats smog. Smog is the brown haze you see over cities. It's toxic when sunlight hits tailpipe exhaust from vehicles. The Dutch experiment shows specially treated pavement can break down and reduce toxic smog at ground level by as much as 45%. That's kind of cool. Very cool. Let's get some of that. Yeah, we could use a little bit of that out here in Los Angeles. For much more on that and the stories we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Remember, you can download us anytime via iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn Radio. And you must find us and like us on the Facebook and follow us 24-7 on the Twitters at Green News Report. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyne. And this has been your Green News Report. Hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. Hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back no more. Well done, Desi Doyen. You ended on an up note there. Always appreciated. And, of course, you're going to bring us uh, right down here with a, a follow-up, aren't well, you? Well, yeah, the death toll in Lac-Megantic has been raised up to 20. Uh, they say totally, they think 50 people are missing. Some of the bodies may never be found because they were essentially incinerated. From the train explosion. From the train explosion. And we have no cause yet. Uh, or what caused that explosion? No, no cause we? yet. Uh, it looks like it was a human error at this point is what they're saying so far. Preliminary event investigation. Terrible. Because the engineer didn't set the brakes, they say. Terrible story. Thank you for that. Desi Doyen, our producer. My thanks also to G, our soundboard operator. 
Uh, also, stay tuned for John Wiener in the 4 o'clock report. Our friend Ari Berman will be joining him. What's next for the Voting Rights Act in America? You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be back with you. Same Brad time, same Brad channel next week. Hope you'll join us. Until then, you can find me at bradblog.com. You can tweet me on at uh, the Brad Blog. You can also find me on Facebook, by the way, at the Brad Blog. I'm Brad Friedman. Good night, America. <laughs>